when a man tries to become immortal, he finds out the price is too small to pay. And then we continue Insanity Week here on Dead Rabbit Radio, which is, which is oddly different than the normal weeks. This week's even crazier. Because today we're going to take a look at a man who believes that he's been abducted by reptilians multiple times. His mission? Train them to be the best cops ever. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. Insanity week, that's the theme this week. Bunch of crazy people. Like I said in the intro, more crazy than we normally cover. If you can believe that. First off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, we see a mama bird flying in. We there you notice you didn't notice there's a little nest of baby birds on the floor. The mama bird bleh, is throwing the worst introduction ever sorry the mama bird is bleh, throwing up our newest patreon supporter everyone everyone is in fear that this time of saying their name it's odie everyone give a round of applause to odie as odie is falling into the mouths of several hungry baby birds sorry odie that's the only thing i can think of after odie is digested and comes back to life and is now a normal-sized person. Odie, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you're not regurgitated bird food, that is fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Odie, I'm going to go ahead and talk. Odie's so mad. Odie's in there with her arms crossed. It's like, listen, man, I was trying really hard to come up with something. Odie, and that's what I came up with, Odie. Let's toss you the oars to the Dead Rabbit Robo. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out, too. Indonesia for the rest of this episode. Odie has a bunch of baby birds. They bonded to him. But that's cool. Now you got a bunch of little pets. Maybe they'll come in handy later on. We're rowing the boat. We're headed out to Indonesia. Splash. Splash. Specifically, we're going to Pantai Selaton. That's in Java, Indonesia. The year's 1972. And we wash up on shore. We get there just in time to see Hindra Hartanto come out of a cave. He's walking out and he's like, oh, stretching. He probably should have found a taller cave to meditate in. That one was kind of tight, but it all paid off. And then he's holding in his hand these four figures. He takes them to town. There are these humanoids. Little arms, little legs, scary looking faces, long black hair. He brings them to town. People are like, dude, what are those things? Are those dolls? And he's like, what? Okay, listen. I know that they look like dolls. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. I know they look like dolls, and they look like if you touched them, they would feel like dolls. And basically, they're very doll-like, right? But they're not dolls. These are actually janglots. And everyone takes a step back. Now, to you and me, I'm assuming you're not from Indonesia. If you are, thank you. I'm talking about your hometown. But most people, Janglots, when I was doing this research on the story, I go, oh, it's just the name that he named these things. Janglots actually in Javanese means vampire. So even though it's just another word of a cryptid or a creature to 99% of the planet, to the people of Java, they knew exactly what these things were. They were little vampires, but they never had seen them. And they especially think they were going to be nine inches tall, right? Dracula's not really threatening if he's tiny. But he goes, listen, I was meditating in this cave, and I was able to manifest these jangalots. 
And they go, why do you call them vampires? And he goes, well, dummy. <laughs> why else would you call something a vampire, you dolt? I have to feed them blood. And everyone takes another step back. He goes, but don't worry. I only get my blood from verified sources. The articles did not the articles did not go into detail what he considered a verified source. We do know that he fed them his own blood, but he also got his blood from verified sources as well. People who had blue check marks on Twitter. He said that he had to feed them human blood every 35 days. Now he puts them on display, he charges money, of course, to see these things. People walk up, look through the glass boxes, and you see these little guys. And I'm reading about these Janglots. I've actually wanted to cover these for a while. Because what I read, and what turned out to be true, is two totally different things, which happens in the world of the paranormal. So I'm reading this, the original account I read, that these things were alive, and they moved around, and they drank blood. And then as I did more research on these things, none of those things are true. They drank blood, but remember we did that story recently about the people who were pouring milk into the mouths of statues of the um, Hindu statues, I think it was. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Imagine if you could see like a statue drink milk. That'd be totally dope. I would totally become a fan of statues right now. I'm okay on them. Whatever. But if they drank milk, I'd, I'd buy some of them. I'd be like stealing David and I have him in my bedroom. Not my bedroom. Forget I said that. I'd be having him in the living room. Be drink, having him drink milk. But my point is, is that they just stand there and they take the, the, it turned out the statues weren't really drinking the milk. They would just put the milk by the statues and they would spill it on the statues. It was kind of a ripoff. This one too, they would take a plate of human blood and just set it by the jangalots. They didn't actually like go, thank you, sir. And start like slurping it up. Because my immediate thing was, cause here's the thing. At the end of the day, even though I dismiss a lot of this stuff and I demuck a lot of this stuff, I do want to believe it. So when I found out that there was nine-inch tall vampires, I started looking for videos of them drinking blood. I was like, surely there must someone must have recorded this stuff. Of course not. Of course not, Jason. Because they don't exist. They don't. There's no such thing as a nine-inch tall. I actually tried looking on YouTube for a video of a nine-inch tall vampire in 1972 drinking blood. It doesn't exist. So here's here's what it is. They would take a plate of blood, set it next to the statue that, spoiler alert, was not a, really a vampire. It was, it turned out that, so let me tell the story. Before, let me retract that spoiler alert. What was going on? He was charging money for this in 1972. By the time 1997 rolled around, a bunch of other psychics also started manifesting these jinglots. And they would go, I went to a cave and I was meditating and look at these guys. Oh, no, you can't look at them unless you give me some money. And you start having all these psychics come forward and say that they were able to manifest these little vampires. And that's when the ones in 1972 apparently are still around. But in 1997, it's late enough that people could start doing what's called scientific <laughs> tests on them. And people have really studied these things. Up until the year 2006, they were doing DNA scans, x-rays on these, and it turned out, shocker, that these things were fake. They had nails. They could, through x-rays, tell nails were connecting the arms to the torso, that the hair was actually from a human, and it looked like they were all pulled from the same human, which wouldn't make sense, right? You wouldn't go like, I need, I need 100 hairs for this doll. I must contact 100 people. The articles I read said a lot of them had been exposed, but since not everyone had actually been tested, you couldn't say verifiably that every single Jangalot was a fake. True, I mean, I guess you can't, you can't say that, but I think 
you can assume that if you test something and 99% of them turned out to be fake, or even 90% of them turned out to be hoaxes, you could assume the other 10% most likely are as well. And if you couldn't test them, you would think, well, they don't want me to test them because it's probably a hoax as well. So despite the fact that I was typing into YouTube, Nine Inch Vampire Drinking Blood, wasn't finding any footage of these Jangalots, there is still some interesting things to talk about. One, the lore of these things. When Hendra came out of the cave, they were nine inches tall. But as time went on, they were only four inches tall. And he explained that. He explained that these creatures, as they get older, they shrink. And he also said these creatures, these Jangalots, are actually thousands of years old. So, I don't know why they just shrank super slowly, and then in a couple years went from 9 inches to 4 inches. But the lore behind these things, other than them shrinking, is this. He believes that he was able to manifest the energy of a white monkey, which is a real monkey species. The spirit of the white monkeys, that's what these were. Janglots, in general lore, outside of these little tiny statues, are... Like I said, a vampire, you can become a Janglot by abstaining from all sexual pleasure and meditating in a cave. It's the search for immortality. It's keeping in all that sexual energy for yourself actually will make you immortal. I would say this. If someone said, Jason, if you never have sexual thoughts again, if you never do anything sexual again, you can be immortal. I would take that. I'd be like, okay. But then if they go, oh, you're going to be immortal, but you shrink constantly... I wouldn't want to do that. Like, if I was immortal and I was, like, five foot or four foot or even three foot, I'd be totally fine with that. But if I was, there's some two foot tall listener and there's, like, some kid being like, oh, man. No, if I was even, there's, like, there's, a one foot tall person is fine. But nine inches? Nine inches? I don't want to be the size of a fetus forever. And you shrink. That's the worst deal ever. That's the worst. I'd rather be like one of those weirdos from Vampire the Masquerade that hangs out in the sewer all the time, like the Nosferatu ones or the Malkavians even. The super edgy. I hated Malkavians. I used to do live action role play. I don't think I've ever revealed this before on the show. I used to do live action role play Vampire the Masquerade. And this was pre-internet. So we had no idea that like edgy internet kids were a thing. We just thought it was the edgy people in our town. And you knew who they were. Because they were Malkavians, and they were crazy, and they were always in character. I got knives, and I'm dancing around. Oh, shut up, Malkavians. I've just lost, I've just lost three Malkavian listeners. It was, the, it was basically Heath Ledger's The Joker, but a, that was their role-playing class. It was, oh, my God. But anyways, I was Venturu, of course. How are you going to drink blood? You don't even get to drink blood. They don't even take a YouTube video of me drinking blood. I just live super long and I keep shrinking and I look dried up and eventually I have nails driven into my arms and my hair can be sent to DNA test. No dice. I'm not taking that trade off. Odie, I look at Odie. There's some vultures circling overhead. He's like, get us out of here. Odie, we're going to... Oh, oh, actually, no, Odie. <laughs> Those vultures are still going to circle over you. I got one more thing to say about these Jangalots. This is interesting. He claimed they were the spirit of a white monkey. The Jangalots in normal lore are monks who go into caves who have not done anything sexual and they become immortal. Another side thing to this is that in Java, they have a lot of UFO sightings, but like in the Middle East, they don't really talk about them. It's just not something that's considered part of the normal discourse. We had an episode on that recently. How come we don't see a lot of UFO stuff coming out of the Middle East? Same thing in Java, but when they do talk about them, 
the aliens are only three to nine inches tall. So is it possible that some of these are fake to make money, but some of them, at least one set of them, maybe the original set, are the mummified remains of crashed alien survivors? Just another weird footnote in the story of the Janglots. Odie, now we're going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter, fight those vultures off. We're going to leave behind Java. We are headed out to New Orleans, Louisiana. In New Orleans, let me back up before he even gets three words into this. This is what this guy is saying. I don't know if this man is actually a police officer. So New Orleans Police Department, please don't sue me and go, this guy never worked for us. Quit saying fake stuff. He says he did. Your Honor, if a judge is listening to this podcast, just go, not guilty, and then I don't have to worry about it. In New Orleans, there's a man, not a man, a legend known as Matt R. He doesn't give his last name. We have his last initial, but we don't need a full last name to recognize this man's bravery. He claims to be a former New Orleans Police Department officer. More importantly than that, he's blowing the lid off of everything, dude. If you have a lid on something right now, go look. It's gone. He's blowing the lid off everything, especially the reptilian conspiracy. He's been seeing them since the year 2005. One day, he's telling this story, he heard a tree smash in his neighbor's backyard. Around the same time, he said he saw a bright light come from the sky. Now, <laughs> not lightning, not lightning, mind you. Bright light in the sky, tree explodes. He knows what this is. It's not lightning. It was a reptilian, because that's what reptilians are known for. Remember, you know, like Queen Elizabeth might be reptilian. Remember when she smashed all those trees? Because she's a reptilian, that's what reptilians do. He runs out into the yard. He runs out into his neighbor's yard. He does this constantly through this story. He's going into other people's property. They're OPP. He runs out there and he is trying to figure out where the reptilian's at. That's what you would think. Bright light in the sky. Tree gets obliterated. Reptilian. He can't find him. So then he starts doing this thing where he goes into the forest around his house. I guess him and his neighbor live near the forest. He, go, he goes into the forest and he says he spends hours a day asking the reptilians questions. Sitting in the for This is what you want your law enforcement officer to be doing on their off time, right? This is what you want them to be doing. You don't want them to be like brushing up on like, you know, like how to discharge a firearm safely or, you know, just not even doing cop stuff, just reading a book. He's standing in a forest with a notepad asking reptilians questions and they're not answering him. The gall of them, right? The gall of these imaginary beings in the forest not answering him? Oh, man. People today. But see, he knows that these are reptilians because his buddy's phone, not his phone, right? He's asking the reptilians questions and the reptilians get mad at him. So his buddy starts sending him sexually explicit messages. And he goes, I'm not doing this. I actually didn't do this. So Matt goes, oh, must be the reptilians. And I'm assuming the buddy goes, yeah, I shifted from side to side the reptilians. He actually bought it that I didn't actually send those messages. Of course not. It must have been the reptilians. So that's all you need, right? Your buddy your buddy confessing their love to you via text and then saying that it's not them and must be reptilians. But this way, I'm, I'm dismissing him. I don't know why I'm dismissing him. He has proof. He turns his face 
he turns his face to us and he looks and he goes, you see this wound? You see this wound I have, Jason? And it looks like he has just a thin scratch. It looks like, you know how sometimes you're like, wake up, you'll have a scratch on your face. You're like, Jason, I never wake up with scratches on my faces. You might want to check out your house for Janglots. You guys have woken up with scratches on your faces. He has a long, thin scratch on his face. He goes, you see this? You see this thing that Jason wakes up with all the time? He probably should check for bed bugs. He might be itching his face in the middle of the night. But no, this one, this hideous scar. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. This thin cut you can barely see that'll heal that'll heal within the next six hours it was caused by a reptilian he tells us a story he goes laugh all you want at my hideous deformity don't look but i was thrown in a shipping container once <laughs> we laugh at that that's actually kind of funny i don't know why the image of this guy just getting snatched off the street thrown in a shipping container he was thrown in a shipping container full of humans and reptilians and there was a door in the shipping container and every so often it would open up and someone would be pulled out of the shipping container. He goes, I don't know how I knew. It might have been the fact that everyone was violently trying to get away from the door. All I knew is I didn't want to go through that door. So in the darkness, he was just punching people and getting punched and he felt a reptilian claw gouge into his skin. One whole millimeter. Ah! Razor talons that were evolved on another planet to fight for survival. These seven foot tall reptilian creatures bred for war. A single cut is as steep as a paper cut. Ah! He goes, I never got thrown outside that door. I fought my way in that dark shipping container all that I could. And he goes, this is the reason why. He goes, I think this is why Battle Royale games are so popular nowadays. It's preparing us. It's preparing us homo sapiens to be thrown in shipping containers someday. So interesting story, right? Interesting story. It, it would be terrifying to be thrown in a shipping container with, with a bunch of cuddly gerbils, let alone a bunch of humans and razor-clawed reptilians. How did he get out of the shipping container, though? It's a rhetorical question. He never answers that. We've talked about this in other stories. These people who are exposing the truth, that are exposing these government secrets, these high-level conspiracies, how are they able to tell us this stuff? It's one thing when you have someone like Gary Webb, a real-life journalist who exposed that the CIA was complicit in the crack epidemic in Los Angeles to fund the war with the Contras in South America. I think it was Central America. He was eventually ostracized from his profession as a journalist. He was fired, and he eventually, quote-unquote, killed himself in Sacramento with two shots to the back of the head with a handgun. Now, you actually can kill yourself with two shots to the back of the head with a handgun. That does happen. It happens more often than you would think. But there's been questions about, did he kill himself because he had no money and that his career was in the toilet? He was a hero for telling the truth? Or was he assassinated by the CIA? So we have stories like that where someone exposes a high-level conspiracy and mysteriously dies. But this guy, who arguably, the fact that there are reptilians on the planet is a higher level conspiracy than the CIA is selling crack cocaine, is flying all of this stuff over to LA. How is this guy still alive? And that's always the question I come to with this stuff, because they could easily shut this dude down. Just don't open the, just don't open the container. Just leave him in the shipping container. Why did they leave why did they let him out? But he doesn't even reveal how he gets out of the shipping container. Or does he? Let's keep talking here for a second, because that's what a podcast is. It's me talking.
The reptilians have actually been experimenting on him. They've actually made his eyes so sensitive to the light that he can't sleep with an alarm clock in the room. He says the light from the alarm clock is so bright he can't sleep his reptilian eyes. Now, there's no photos of his reptilian eyes. He doesn't actually have, like, little slits. This is to show the mindset of a man like... Let's imagine you. Let's imagine that you have been abducted by reptilians and your eyeballs have been operated on. And for whatever reason, they let you exist. You're still not in some giant test tube in space. They let you go home to take a nap. Your alarm clock's too bright. Do you, A, buy an alarm clock that's less bright, or buy an alarm clock that's like an analog clock that doesn't have any lights? Do you, B, turn the alarm clock so it's facing the wall so you don't see the light? The alarm clock serves one purpose, to have an alarm. Or so does it matter? If you need to see the time, you just turn and look at it and go, oh, it's 11.03. And then you turn it back. Or do you or do you do what Matt did? Those would have been the two most logical things. Matt got up out of bed. He can't sleep because the light's too bright. He gets up out of bed. He gets a blue Tupperware bowl or a blue Tupperware plate, cuts it up, and then glues it to the alarm clock, so he can't see the time. Now you, now, now, if you're like, I wonder what time it is, you're all slowly peeling stuff up. It's all glued together. You're like, oh, it's blurt o'clock. You can't even see anything. That's the mindset that we're dealing with. And what's so weird when I read stuff like this is I'm reading it and thinking this guy's a lunatic. There are other people reading it and being like. That poor man. If those reptilians would just leave him alone, he would have a working alarm clock and a blue Tupperware bowl. But he has neither now. Who reads this and takes it seriously? But what we're really talking about here is the reptilians' relationship with the police department. So we're going back in time. I jumped ahead to 2018 where he was throwing in the cargo container. But let's jump back to 2005 when he first started encountering these reptilians. 2005 was also the timing of a major event, Hurricane Katrina. (laughs) Hurricane Katrina hits, a couple thousand people died, it was a horrible tragedy, and in the aftermath, some people called them looters, some people said they were just trying to survive. But the reptilians didn't care either way. All that footage of, like, police officers watching over people breaking into the local Winn-Dixie. That was actually footage. Well, that was actually footage of people breaking into Winn-Dixie. But then they would cut to a picture of a cop just standing there kind of shaking his head. That was a reptilian. Did you guys know that? No? You didn't know that? You didn't know that that was a fact? You see, Hurricane Katrina was actually the very first policing action of reptilians on planet Earth. And Matt R. helped train them. Like I said, Matt R. at this time was a member of the New Orleans Police Department. And he said that what happened was, apparently before Hurricane Katrina happened, he was abducted and put in an underground shopping mall. It was more like a shopping mall set. Like, he could tell that it wasn't a real shopping mall. It was almost like a testing ground. And he realizes as he's there, he's in his police uniform, there's a couple other people in police uniforms. But he doesn't have any insignia, he doesn't have any badge or anything, it's just a black uniform. And he sees a bunch of other civilians in there, they're not wearing uniforms. 
And then all of a sudden, the walls blow open. That's how he knows they're underground. The walls blow open. And reptilians pouring through these walls. And they're carrying laser guns. And they're shooting at the people. The people are panicking. They're running every which way. And Matt and his fellow officers are trying to maintain order. But as these laser blasts are flying towards them, there's just utter panic. And that's when Matt realizes something. The reptilians aren't shooting the people. They're shooting around the people. They're shooting like the signs. They're shooting out the windows. They're shooting at potted plants. It's like they're trying to herd the people to go into a certain direction. They don't want to kill them. They just want them to move. And Matt realizes in this moment, he goes, this is probably where the legends of the fire-breathing dragon comes from. Because you're looking at these seven-foot-tall, eight-foot, nine-foot-tall reptilians. And these heat rays are coming out. He goes, you couldn't actually see like the red laser beam. You could just see how the air would get wavy. And then something would explode or something would catch on fire. He said eventually, the reptilians all pushed them back to this big stage. And him and his fellow officers got up on the stage. And the people were crowded down below it. The reptilians were cornering them in. And then the exercise stopped. As they're standing up there, one of these reptilians comes up on stage and walks right up to Matt and goes, great job. Great job. In fact, turns to the other police officers, Matt R. is the best cop among you. In fact, I've served on planets. I've met alien commanders all over the galaxy. But Matt R., I respect you more than even my own commanders. So Matt R. at this moment realized that this was a training exercise. This is where he's kind of putting it together. The reptilians were trying to figure out a way to do crowd control on humans without injuring them. He also realized that he was part of that. He was actually going to be training them to be better peace officers. He was going to train them to help protect humanity in their own weird reptilian way. And after telling this long story, and after me reading this long story that he posted online, I get to the line at the very ending. That's where my dream ends. So now I'm I'm rethinking whether or not he was actually thrown in a shipping container. Was that a dream as well? So basically, he had a dream... He had a dream that reptilians, the whole thing. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to dignify him with retelling it. And then he wakes up, and at some point he notices he has a pea-sized lump on his penis. And it goes away, and then it comes back. Not all at once, it's not like blinking and out of existence in one day. But over time, it's disappeared and reappeared. <laughs> and in the article, he's almost... He's almost pleading. He's written several articles for this website called Phantom and Monsters. In the article, he's like, it's an article, right? It's not a forum post. It's not an ask me anything. It's an article. He's basically like, as he talks about the lump in his penis, it's almost like he's asking, is this okay? Should I get this checked out? I can't answer that. First off, yes. Yes, you should. But I'm not, I can't send you an email. I'm not going to put in the comments, dude, get your penis checked out. That's the most important part. If you have a pea-sized lump in your penis that comes and goes, go to the doctor, an earth doctor. Don't have a dream and have some reptilian. He probably thinks that's a microchip, honestly. That's a big old microchip if it's the size of a pea. So what is it? What's the end game with this? What's the end game with this? He believes that this dream was real. He says if he eats tuna or sardines or non-processed meat, 
He doesn't have to cover up his alarm clock too late. You glued a bunch of stuff to it. You can't really fix that. He believes that his buddy was also abducted because if his buddy goes to the Kroger supermarket in the checkout lines, his knee gets scanned because there's a microchip in his knee and it shows up as a price. What's the price? Like, leg of you? Like, anyways, he just has all these weird anecdotes, but we're really building up to this thing. He believes that the reptilians have one purpose coming to Earth. They want to be police officers. They want to be... That's all, that's all, that's all, their end game. And you go, Jason, that would make sense. You would need police officers. Like, if you're going to have a new global order, you need a new global police. Yes, yes. The rational person, we can have that conversation, right? If you wanted to start a new global society, earthbound or intergalactic, you would need to have a global police force. You'd have to enforce the laws. He says that these reptilians have one purpose, to stop looters. When they look at all, when they look at the combined violence throughout human history, all the wars, all the sieges, all the disasters, everything, they hate looters more than anything because they look at the property damage. The reptilians on Renticular 9 are watching us through their view screens and they're like, oh no, another window broken in Portland, Oregon. Send down the battle fleet. That's their only goal is to stop looting. Here's a quote from one of these articles. They will not give warning before they strike. No hovering ships. Why? Because this would cause the exact type of panic looting that they are trying to prevent. So basically, the reason why we'll never get disclosure with ships is because if you see an alien craft overhead, you're going to want to break a window. And they're here to save the windows. So they won't. They'll just one day will turn around. There'll be an alien standing there and he'll just be, you go to punch a window, he'll be shaking his finger with that little claw. You don't want a paper cut on your face. He believes that's their only goal, not interbreeding with humans, not taking over. the. Well, they want to take over the planet. They just want to save the windows. They don't want any looting whatsoever. And this all came to a head when last summer in we had him in Portland and they also had him in Washington, D.C. We started having federal police officers not wearing any badges, any name tags, no identifying information. And they were scooping people off the streets. And that's when Matt R. started putting two and two together. That was the first strike force of the reptilians. It's begun, ladies and gentlemen. They're already here. The training that he did in 2005 with the reptilians, it's been put into effect. When you see those men and women with no badges, they're reptilians. That's why they don't have badges. Because he says this, if a reptilian... No, no, wait, what you're thinking? Jason, I saw footage of those guys. I saw photographs. They weren't eight-foot-tall reptilians. They were normal-sized humans. Okay, just forget that part. Just forget that part. He doesn't explain that either. But he says, listen, a reptilian, if he came down from Cyrus 9, comes down in his battle fleet, doesn't hover over a city, because otherwise people start breaking windows, sneaks in through the back, and then walks in, gets a job at a police department, is now... Now standing eight foot tall reptilian, but somehow he just looks like a normal guy. He wouldn't be able to wear a local police badge because imagine the horror. Imagine if he was wearing a Portland Police Department badge on him and he goes to stop a looter 
and he doesn't realize there's a difference in gravity between our planet and his planet, and he picks a looter and throws him like eight blocks, eight city blocks, smashing into some building in downtown. Everyone's going to be like, who who is the officer? Who was the officer who broke the laws of gravity? And it would turn out that it was this guy, and then it would be exposed. And they wouldn't let him wear like a like a holographic reptilian space badge, because then everyone knows he's a reptilian. So the only other thing you could do, he specifically states, for liability reasons, reptilians cannot wear local police badges. It, again, it's an alien invasion. I don't think they're worried about getting sued. I don't think they're going to be like, dude, our plan is going to go off without a hitch unless one person sues us, and then it's all over. They can't wear the badges. So all of these federal police officers that we saw last summer were actually reptilians, according to Matt R. The, 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 it's, it's the end now. It's too late. We can't fight against this. It's the window industrial complex. We love windows. As a society, we put little windows on our eyes and call them glasses. We drink out of cups that we can look through and call them glasses. We even have fairy tales about shoes made of glass. And then windows. Window, the eyes are the window to the soul. That's the only thing I can think of with windows. But we think about it. We love comedies. We love like window washers, like almost falling off to their deaths. We love mirrors. Windows are kind of like half windows. Mirrors are windows that didn't quite make the cut. So they only are halfway. Well, our world is surrounded by glass and windows. And we have skyscrapers with tons of these beautiful things that we look out. And we see the sun rise and the sunset. We've surrounded ourselves with the only thing aliens care about protecting. And it's too late to stop them now. So the next time you're driving down the road and you see that flashing red and blue lights behind you. Don't stop. <laughs> Hit the gas pedal and keep going, bro. Keep going because for all you know, that car is going to pull up to you. You're going you're gonna to legally do your duty as a citizen, what you should do. And you're going to pull over to the side of the road and the cop's going to pull over next to you. And then he gets out and you're like, that's weird. You look in your mirror and it says, it says objects are closer than they appear. But you can only see the officer's crotch coming towards you. And you're like, okay, that's super bizarre. That's only something Jason would say. And you turn and the officer is eight feet tall. And he has to lean down to look into your car with his reptilian eyes. You have to cover up. You have to cover up your car stereo. The lights do bright. He looks at you and he goes, he has, <laughs> that's why the cops wear those sunglasses to cover up their reptilian eyes. He goes, do you know how fast you were goings. And you're like, what? Why'd you make that last word weird? Cut. And then he goes, ah, you want to give me lip? And that's when you feel reptilian claws reach, and reach into your mouth and pull your lips off. And he goes, now I got your lips. I don't know. Apparently, they're also from the Leprechaun movies. Apparently, they're also a horror movie villain. And he eats some nom, nom, nom. And then you're laying in your car with no lips. And the reptilian's calling in for backup. More reptilian cops are going to show up. And just then, you think that things couldn't get any worse. You turn, and there's a little Jangalot sitting sitting on your passenger seat. And he's just sitting there. And as you're bleeding all over yourself, the Jangalot's just sitting next to you. And you can feel him absorbing your blood. And then the blood was super ultra-realistic, and it was coming out of your eyeballs. I have no other way to end this episode. 
I have no other way to end this episode. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, Insanity Week has pushed me to the verge. Just having to delve into all this stuff. Just having to delve. I feel like I'm breaking. This might be the last week of Dead Rabbit Radio. DeadRabbitRadio.gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook.com slash... Where we Dead Rabbit Radio gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is our Twitter account. Uh, Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to us today. Have a great one, guys.